We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's good? Great Thursday, LL Nation. We are in the building. The Anora boys are back. That's That's right. Hey, two games left in the season left. You have to feel good. Feel good about the success we've had because of LL Nation. As always, catch us. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, courtesy of CFB Nation, in conjunction with Irish Breakdown. Podcasts are available. Go check out all the great content. And we are pleased to welcome one of our brothers from CFB Nation to the show today, host of the State of Recruiting, John Garcia Jr. from SI. He is the one that puts together the SI 99. We'll talk about that. That's right. Dame's involvement with the players they have in the SI 99, flipping season, and much more. Go ahead. Get your questions lined up for John. He'll be joining us shortly. Let's jump into what we do every Thursday, and it's nothing better than starting with Malik's keys to victory right here on the Lucky Lefty Podcast. As always, brought to you by Nora Whiskey. AnoraWhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. Boston College Eagles invade South Bend on Saturday, looking to throw a wrench in the plans of Notre Dame to continue their ascent in the CFP rankings. Give us your three keys, left. The three keys, man, uh, be real simple, man. I think the first key is offensively, let's go out there and put on a 35-plus point performance. I think these are one of the games very similar to North Carolina where we're a better team that needs to show early and often why we're a better team on senior night, and there's no better way than to end your senior night with a 35-plus point victory. So offensively, we got to get those touchdowns and starting fast. Secondly, let's limit Zay Flowers. I think this is a great challenge for us, especially from the aspect of testing our secondary a little bit more getting ready for another uh, receiver core uh, in USC that's is down the line. So I think being able to uh, cover a guy like Zay Flowers with Tariq Bracey and, and the help of the secondary, I think it'll, it'll show a great accomplishment for us throughout this season of holding these guys to uh, less than what they usually get. I think that's important. Marcus Freeman wants to see us be physical over there. So I'll say the second key would be 
Let me say flowers to under 10 catches. I think that's, you know, if we can do that, then there's no way uh, Boston College offense can really get going, especially if they don't have their uh, playmaker that's involved in the game. I would say around like six catches maybe. Now, less than 100 yards, but, you know, you want to be able to stay around that range. Make it make it tough for him. And lastly, and not least, I really want to see us get over 200 yards uh, in the rushing department. I think this is a great game offensive line to get back to being road graders, which is going to help open the pass up to score these 35 points. So I really want to see us have uh, 200 plus in the run department. Uh, I think it'll show great for what we're doing and also helping Drew uh, take the pressure off of him as well. Malik's, well, those were Malik's three keys to a game brought to you by Nora Whiskey. NoraWhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey at NoraWhiskey.com. Lucky Lucky Podcast, we spin it different. That's right. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Left us digging to the numbers a little bit. I'm going to tag on to what you just talked about. The rush defense for the Boston College Eagles, not good. Giving up 4.2 yards per carry, 164 yards per game. We only have to get into the ranking. They're just not good in the trenches. And the linebackers have been injured and suspect in their play this season. Now we go to the offensive side of the ball, the other side of the trenches. They average, this is no joke left, 28 yards per game rushing the ball. Wow. 2.4 yards per carry. I'm say, I'll say that again because I know LL is probably like, there's no way. People in the chat, people watching the problem, there's no way that's right. You really say it yeah. a word now. Uh, I can't preach as good as you, bro, but, you know, I'll deliver it as best as I can. Yeah. Uh. I take that back. I, man, I messed that up. They averaged 28 rushes per game. Yeah, I was about to say. 57. It's not. I mean, it's still horrible. It's still horrible. 
57 yards per game rushing as two yards per rush. It's still 131st in the nation. I'm glad I caught myself. I was like, let me double check that. Because that, that 26 sounded, that 28 sounded really bad. But no, 57.6 yards per game for the Russian attack. That's 131st in the nation. They throw the ball pretty much 60% of the time. And you talked about Zay Flowers. We have to stop him from making history. He comes into this matchup on the verge of history. He is already the receiving yards, all-time receiving yards leader at Boston College. With three catches, he becomes the all-time Boston College wide receiver in receptions. And if he gets two touchdowns, he'll become the all-time receiving touchdown leader in Boston College history. So he comes into South Bend looking to make history against Notre Dame. So definitely you have to shut him down. Al Golden talked about all the great receivers, Josh Downs and all, and Buka, Marvin Harrison Jr., all the great receivers that they have defended this year and that they pretty much played pretty well against. They held them down. This will be another challenge with Zay Flowers, but not only Zay Flowers. They do have a formidable passing attack. They have Emmett Moorhead, the youngster that was able to put up 300 touch, 300 yards and three touchdowns last week against North Carolina State. Phil Jakovic, he's trying to get back, trying to return from injury. Emmett Moorhead right now, based upon reports, is probably going to get the nod and the start. But after Zay Flowers, they have Dino Tomlin who's a 50-50 monster. Then they have former Notre Dame tight end George Tackett, who is the third down guy that Moorhead is going to be looking to. Consistently against North Carolina State when it was third and five, third and six, he looked right to George Tackett in the mid-range to, to extend plays and get the first down and extend drives. And then Jalen Gill, who was the other big-time threat, vertical threat for the Boston College offense. Four guys in that passing offense that consistently made plays for Boston College. So it's not just about stopping Zay Flowers. It's going to be a collect or it needs to be a collective effort from the defensive backfield. Definitely needs to be a collective effort. But, you know, with them focusing so much on the pass, mm -hmm. I think it's, a, it's it's great for these guys to be able to play together and, and, and really show why the secondary has been – one, if not the strongest unit on our defense, and uh, being able to rattle guys and and playing fast and flying around that secondary, I think it'll really make a, a, a good impact not only on recruiting but sticking to what Marcus Freeman really wants to do, and that's be physical and really dominate in these games. They were right on schedule before they got that last touchdown drive against North Carolina State to win that game late. And it was aided. That last drive was aided by a couple of questionable pass interference calls, a great 50-50 catch by Dino Tomlin, and then Zay Flowers just being Zay Flowers down by the goal line. They were right on schedule for the 16.9 points that they averaged per game, and then they added that late touchdown to get up into the 20s. So Notre Dame should be able to keep them around 14 to 17 points. We know it's going to be cold. Snow flurries, I believe. Late tonight, going on into Friday in South Bend, temperatures to be low 30s, maybe dipping into the 20s by the time everything is done. You talked about running the ball. This is that game. And I saw Troy Bride Jr. say, look, I played in Notre Dame, but let's stop saying this is football weather just because it's snowing and cold. That's right. Yeah, you really got to just 
take it for what it is. It's, it's another element that makes it so tough to play at Notre Dame is that cold starts whipping that butt. Yeah. But we got that running game. And, you know, when it's cold, everything hurts a little bit more, especially Audrey Estimate leaning forward. Guys don't want to see that all game, and that's why, especially with a D-line that's giving up the run like they do, it's going to be a long day for them when they got the three-headed monster back there. Once again, Boston College Eagles come into South Bend on Saturday looking to get another big win. Jeff Hatley said they were been they had been close all year, and he said eventually they were going to get one of these games, and one of those games was North Carolina State. Al Golden talked about the preparation. And then talking about the preparation for Boston College, he talked about the quarterback. He talked about Zay Flowers. But one of the things he talked about was the difficulty of resetting after such a tough game against maybe you've been through it just mentally. You know, what is really difficult about resetting when it comes to leaving the Navy game and moving on to the next opponent? Well, you really got to think about it. A lot of times you're so locked into playing gap football and, yeah. and not getting out of your, your you know, position, transitioning back to a free-flowing, you know, you got to kind of play on your instincts and your feet. It's a It, it, it takes a little bit of uh, rewiring, and it's just a couple plays, like a series or two, uh, to get that feel again. Playing Navy or any mm-hmm. academy school, you, it's a different feel to the week. It's a different feel to what you have to do to win. Uh, it's not about so much an individual talent. It's really about doing your job. So it's uh, if you can play your job, you can win the game. But when you get back to uh, playing regularly, regularly scheduled teams, you, you, you know, a lot of that individualism has to come out as well. You got to beat a one-on-one, you know, you gotta, you gotta be able to, uh, you know, not check you're not checking for the the cut blocks you're not checking for uh the the type of intensity that you have to prepare yourself for uh each and every week so uh it's a little bit of reset and hopefully not too much of a of a impact but we'll find out i mean boston college is not a uh team that you can just roll over either no not a team that you can roll over and the conditions although they yield themselves to Notre Dame playing to their strength it also yields to Boston College being able to stay in the game because that's what they want to do. They want to stay in the game on senior day, allow Notre Dame the opportunity to get tight, make a mistake, and then they come away with the win. Let's talk about this, the reset. Here's what Al Golden had to say. John Garcia Jr. coming up momentarily. Harder to reset after, and uh, that's the thing that I just said upstairs that I'm the most proud of these guys. So, Staff, too. Uh, staff got in Sunday, went right to work. Uh, you don't want to have an option hangover. And, and they came in and uh, got everything to the players, got the game plan done early, got to them. Uh, a lot of the guys were in yesterday um, on their day off, learning the game plan, watching film. And uh, they showed by their actions today that there won't be any hangover, that they're ready to go. And, uh, we, you know, obviously it's just early downs today. Tomorrow we'll get into third down. But they transitioned really well. and. Uh, I'm glad that's behind us. I don't have a concern about that. Al Golden talking about that and earlier in the week. We want to reiterate. Notre Dame cannot allow Navy and USC to beat them this week. Like we are, Notre Dame and the players understand what's ne- what next week means. They know. They know. 
They got through Clemson to start November. They're expected to win the next two games handily, and they know what USC would mean to them in closing out this season next week in the Coliseum. They Man, know that. They know that. It's the you, can't let, yeah, you can't let Navy and USC beat you this week on an emotional day, senior day. Focus, take care of business, and like Al Golden said, they reset quickly. They got out of that Navy week. You talked about it all the time, Left. Anytime you guys played Navy, it was almost like taking a deep breath as soon as the game was over. Like, thank Ooh. God we're done yeah. with that because it was crazy. Yeah, you definitely just – you can't wait till it's over. You don't even really want to watch the film on this. Like, let's just get through this, you know, whatever. But um, I think that now – Back on back on road, perfect opportunity senior night. I love senior night. It's a lot of emotions, but those emotions feel great games and uh, and great performances. I think I sh- you should expect uh, the seniors to really go out there and and, and do what they got to do to uh, to just experience what it feels like to win on the senior night. Yeah, a lot of records looking to be broken. Isaiah Foskey looking to get that all time sack record at Notre Dame. We've already highlighted Zay Flowers having records on the line for him in the Boston College annals and record books. And now we are pleased to switch gears. Before we do that, make sure you tap in to Lucky Lucky Podcast and all the great tent. Be it available right now on Spotify and Apple Podcasts over at CFB Nation in conjunction with Irish Breakdown. Give us five stars. Leave great comments. We greatly appreciate you and thank you for your support. Lucky Lucky Podcast. We spin it different. Now we switch gears. Let's talk recruiting. It's been a great recruiting week, big recruiting week for Notre Dame and the class of 2023. And we want to bring in our brother from CFB Nation. He is the host of State of Recruiting over at CFB Nation. If you have not checked out his show, it is the best recruiting show that you could ever find or listen to. Informative, great information. And he's just an all-around great guy. We welcome to the Lucky Lefty Podcast, our brother, John Garcia Jr. John, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, fellas. Appreciate the appreciate the hype right there, man. That's, yeah. a lot, that's a lot to live up to, but I'm ready. I'm ready. Yo, John, you messed me up last week when you started talking about making the connections. And we can start right there because it is truly flipping season. Yes, it is. And not just from a recruiting standpoint. Mm-hmm. Players are being flipped in the transfer portal. Oh, yes, yeah. as and, we speak. And I would like to ask you your honest assessment. When does converse, when do conversations start with teams and players at other schools as far as jumping into the portal? Because we would like to think everything is on the up and up. But I have to believe that's not so. Yeah, it's it, you're right on it, Sean. I mean, I think this is this is something unprecedented in terms of going into it last year with NIL and the portal kind of simultaneously, right? It, it mm-hmm. was like I remember when the portal was coming out, everyone was like, "Okay, this is just going to be a more uh a proper way to navigate the process," right? You know, it was going to be looked at as a footnote, but obviously we we all underestimated that part of it. So now you throw in NIL and now you throw in just as wide open a game as we've ever seen from a player fluidity standpoint. 
it means that everybody's hands are in the cookie jar. Um, high school coaches, uh, trainers, mentors, seven on seven coaches, parents, friends, uh, cousins, everybody is involved in the transfer portal process. And because of that, there's really no true limitation to uh, of the communication, right? Uh, interest can be shared through back channels and it could be corroborated through through other channels uh, via the player uh, and, and his uh, circle or, or even his extended circle. It's not even the inner circle. It's, it's the extended circle. Hey, um, you know, school X is looking for this. Uh, they think you got a chance to do it. What, what do you think? Are you happy at your school? I mean, it, it's a totally different ball game. So because of that, it's it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There, there is no window. Um, the, the official window I know is in December, but the communication window back channel wise it has been open. Um, there, there's already, I know dozens of players that that have already talked about narrowing lists without taking visits, without really seeing or talking to any coaches because that part of it is illegal. But everything else is this massive kind of eternal gray area that can never be policed. So it is, you know, the, the wild wild west is kind of the phrase that everybody's using and it fits it fits right you could just walk up in anywhere you want uh, and have an opportunity um, that that maybe we saw coming for, for the traditional reasons right playing time homesickness maybe an injury coaching change all the things that you would conventionally think but now as the last year taught us in particular it doesn't even have to be limited to those reasons now it could be a money grab. It could be a profile deal in the Jordan Addison case. I think, you know, multiple scenarios were involved there. Um, you know, just playing on a bigger stage, whatever it may be, the the, the possibilities are endless in terms of why uh, these moves are being made. So schools are guarding against it with their current roster always, but they're also uh, kind of looking around at the same time. So it is truly uh, a new era and we're finally starting to play catch up with what has already gone down in the last year. So the door, the mouths, the texts, the DMs have been open uh, really this whole time. And you talked about everyone having a hand in it. What I'm interested in is the dichotomy of the transfer portal, which opens on December 5th. And we know signing day is on December 21st. But on December 5th, most people and most college football fans would probably think that young men entering the portal are young men that want to leave a program. There's another side to it. There's a side of programs that actually slightly might want to push guys out the door because they want the opportunity to bring somebody else that they've identified in. Just talk about the difficulty of that just for players that are currently on rosters. That's why college football right now and roster management is the biggest headache in the sport. Uh, every college coach will, you guys know, every college coach will tell you, man, I, I just don't want to deal with this roster management. I know uh, a few coaches that are, instead of being coordinators and position coaches in college football, they're staffers in the NFL, they're, they're QAs, they're, they're support staffers because they don't want to deal with the roster management element of, of college football. And, and it goes both ways. Like you just so eloquently pointed out, it's like, not only are we guarding against folks trying to take our kids while recruiting in high school and the portal for some spots we got. But now we need to kind of, you know, the scholarship number hasn't moved through all of these changes. The scholarship numbers have not moved. So a lot of teams, as you said, are trying to get down to that 85 and it creates an awkwardness. Right. And I think that's where the culture of these programs shows more, um, you know, 
because it, it needs to be transparent. It, it works both ways, right? I think, you know, for these kids to go into the portal on their own, they, they can kind of skirt around the staff, right? They can go to compliance and say, hey, look, for 48 hours, I'd like my name to show up. But there's really no uh, built-in avenue for the other side of it for a coach to say, hey, look, in 48 hours, you need to, to show up in that portal. Um, I, I know back, you know, before the portal and all the craziness, schools would would nudge recruits, you know, because it was more prevalent with recruits in terms of, hey, you know, your spot might not be there kind of thing, as opposed to, you know, a current player. They used to nudge them and say, hey, go take a visit to another school. Go make sure you know what you're doing uh, with, with this with this recruitment uh, and with this signing day decision approaching. So now how do you navigate that with a current player? How transparent can you truly be? Um, that's that's the hard part of, of this navigation. It's it's political. Uh, it's PC and, and it's 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 fear driven. I think on both sides, these coaches are fearful of some words getting out uh, of some bad situations getting out and, and feeling like players were forced out, even though in reality, some of them are, uh, whether it's the biggest, baddest schools in the country or even those that are just clinging on to FBS status at low level group of five schools. Uh, everybody's trying to get through that crunch of, of 85 while simultaneously seeing how high of a ceiling they can target in the portal and in, in recruiting themselves. So it is it's a carousel. It, it really is. It's spinning both ways at the same time. Uh, but that's the part that doesn't get talked about. Right. How do you nudge your current player and say, hey, look, you've been here three, four years. We appreciate all you've done. But, you know, in terms of your opportunity football wise, it might not be the best here any longer. How do you communicate that uh, at, at any level is, is incredibly touchy and, and something that we still haven't quite explored right i think not even the nick sabans of the world have have come out and said hey this is how we do this so that's that's maybe the most important part of the process because that scholarship number hasn't changed i know malik you used to say and then you can take it from here you had a year to a year and a half at notre dame to make your mark if yeah. you didn't if you didn't scratch the lineup you pretty much need to understand like i need to i might need to go elsewhere to really, you know, get an opportunity. So it goes right along what you experienced, Malik, ties right into what John is saying. I mean, absolutely. I mean, Notre Dame being a traditionally elite program, it operates kind of how the college football landscape operates currently. Everybody is looking to get that, you know, value roster spot, and coaches are not afraid of trying to make their rosters as best as it can be. There's not it's it's not a easy process whatsoever, but Amongst the football players, they know when a player is getting pushed out and and the, and the underlings of what college football does. But uh, it's absolutely right. I think the benefit, though, is now you you can almost leave yourself. It doesn't have to be such a I'm watching this getting done to me. I can't do anything. I, I think that's when it was at its worst. But at least you can be like, OK, well, I'll just go to over here. And I think the musical chairs aspect uh, makes it a little hard Uh just to be able to keep organization and, and team values and traditions and, you know, focus on trying to win. I guess my question would be, what do you think is the, who has the more advantage, these transfer recruits or the high school recruits? I mean, how much more attention are they going to focus on transfer recruits, which are win now, as opposed to developing these guys and flying to their house and convincing these kids with 60 offers that that's the school for them? Who probably yeah to play until year two or two and a half or something like that. 
That's a great question, Malik, because, right, like you said, in the portal, how long is the recruitment? It's days. For some schools, it's days, like two or three days. I think um, I talked to Jared Ivey. He left Georgia Tech. He was a pass rusher. He ended up at Ole Miss. Um, I think he went in the portal on a Wednesday. He set up the Ole Miss visit for that Saturday, and by Sunday he was done. So for some of these kids, it's it's a two or three day deal if, if you're very good, obviously. But even even if you're not and it's a longer portal process, you're talking weeks or maybe months right. for these recruits. It's, you know, almost for all of them, especially Notre Dame level recruits. It's years. It's it's 12 plus months before you ever even get to campus, before we ever really know, hey, are you even are you even this type of player? Right. Can you even buy into this? Right. Because, you know, that transition, you guys know about it. I went through it. It's it's. You can't really prepare for it. You just got to go do it. And, and either you, you fit or you don't. So that's that's a great uh, point in that regard. And I think what's crazy is college football is teaching us right now in real time that there's no one formula, right? Um, you know, certainly, you know, Georgia uh, at the top, Michigan, those schools have done it old school, right? Recruiting, right. development, plug and play, all that. But then Look at some of these other schools in the top 10, right? TCU, a lot of transfers, new staff, uh, Ole Miss right outside the top 10, LSU, a whole boatload overhaul, roster overhaul via the portal, most importantly, with a supplement of, of high school and, and junior, junior college recruiting. So now that's telling us that we don't have to wait. So the coaches' leashes are getting shorter. Uh, I mean, look at Auburn, right? Brian Harson. I mean, I, I think he coached like 20-something games, and that was it. So – the, the coaches' leases are getting shorter because the expectation to win is now faster. So because of that, you feel more pressure as a coach to bring in the talent and have it work now. So wouldn't you be more inclined to bring in college-level players, especially if they were contributors on their former team where you have college tape as opposed to you know, a directional city name high school playing against a bunch of kids who aren't going to play college football. So yeah. that that's a, a really fascinating part of this because that that leash the, um, the the period of time you're allowed to build a program or turn around a program for some of these coaches is shorter than it's ever been. So naturally, you want to lean towards some of that instant access, instant gratification with some of these portal players, and you don't have to recruit them as long. It's just, hey, this is what I did at my last school. This is the offense we're going to run at this school. Do you want in? We, we got a ton of spots available. I mean, look at what TCU has done, right? A ton of spots available. We're going to be wide open. Big 12 is right there for the taking. Do you want in? And, uh, you know, some players said yes. I mean, Max Duggan could have transferred, but he didn't. He bought into it, and, and it was it was lightning in a bottle. So, because of those precedents that are being set and kind of updated, I think the portal is going to be as, as important as it's ever been. And, and that's why the, the path is, is going to start there for a lot of these, particularly these schools that are under new construction, uh, as opposed right. to those who have, have kind of been here and done that. Lucky Lefty Podcast, we're pleased to have John Garcia Jr. on talking recruiting with us right now. LL Nation, the chat, we'll get to your questions towards the end of this. But right now, you can go follow up. All of us on the screen, Lucky Lucky Podcast. John is the host of State of Recruiting over at CFB Nation. All available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at CFB Nation in conjunction with Irish Breakdown. Lucky Lucky Podcast, we spin it different. Let's switch gears and talk about this flipping season. One of the best episodes. You guys need to go watch it now. He has an episode that pretty much previews flipping season and he started with the quarterbacks because we started to hear rumors and we see Bo Edmondson and Michigan State part ways. We see Jaden Rashada 
flip from Miami to Florida. We hear rumors about Dante Moore possibly leaving. And you connected that in the clues of if a quarterback leaves, that means a program is probably going to go get somebody else that they've identified as being better. Just talk about that and how that connects to a visitor that will be coming to Notre Dame's campus this weekend for the Boston College game. Yeah, um, you got to be bold as a coaching staff, right? You got to go for it. And I think because it's recruiting and high school players, the the method of going for it at that position, at quarterback, is rough for these college coaches because in that Michigan State example, Bo Edmondson is pushed out of the class. You know, it's a parting of ways. It's not a conventional decommitment. It's a, hey, this spot might not be there for you. And when you do that, you better you better go fill it with somebody better. Yeah. And obviously Dante Moore in state, you know, Detroit kid, that that's their top target. We'll see if it happens. Um, there's there's some chatter there for sure. But um, look, Oregon's humming right now offensively. Um, Bo Nix is not going to be there after this year. It it, it it makes sense for Dante to stick it out unless, you know, Dan Landing or, or Kenny Dillingham move on. Uh, maybe that will, will open the door for Mel Tucker. But you got to be bold. Right. Um, and what sucks for the coaches in that regard is you can't comment on it. you can't comment on a, a prospective student athlete PSA until he signs. Uh, so Mel Tucker can't even defend himself because optically it doesn't look great, right? It's like, dang, it's November and you're pushing a quarterback out of the class who, by the way, was coming off of an injury. He'd missed like the whole season. So it just optically looked really bad. But again, you you want to win. You feel we talked about that pressure, right? I mean, he getting paid a hundred million. Right. Hundred, he 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 turned around Michigan State through the portal, by the way, two years ago or last yeah. year, and then it's been a disappointment this year. So now now he even guys like that are feeling that pressure. Hey, we got to fix this thing now. So in recruiting, you get more aggressive. Uh, so you understand it uh, in that regard. But then sometimes it's more conventional, right? Um, and I, I think this is where it relates to Notre Dame. You know, early to bring it back to Dante Moore, early top target for ND. Uh, clearly the guy that they wanted in this class didn't work out uh, ends up at Oregon at late in the summer. And it looks like Notre Dame might not take a quarterback uh, in the, in the 23 class, right? You, you know, you went after Novosad, a couple other guys. Uh, and then the Kenny Minchie stuff was kind of in and out, right? Uh, he's a quiet kid picked up the offer and that was kind of it, right? You didn't hear much about it. He had been to Notre Dame before, but he hadn't taken another visit. So Pitt was feeling good. But again, just like Michigan state, Pitt all of a sudden feels a whole lot different than it did 12 months ago uh, coming off of that ACC championship. So uh, it's entirely different offense up there at Pitt. So you can start to kind of build the case for maybe, you know, maybe the kids should look around. So naturally when he decommits the whole world, you know, finds out he's going to visit Notre Dame this weekend. So now it's like, here we go, here we go. Right. If, if your if your plan was to take a quarterback and then it changes and then a lot of time goes by, like it has for Notre Dame again, if you're going to jump back in, you better go get a guy, right? You get, you better go be bold, right? Because CJ Carr's waiting in 2024. It affects a lot of other recruits. So, so go bold and, and go get them. Uh, and now I think with this Notre Dame visit scheduled for Kenny Minchie, top hundred guy for us at Sports Illustrated. Now all of a sudden, you feel like not only can Notre Dame answer its biggest question mark in this class, just positionally, hey, you need a quarterback, and, and the current quarterback situation uh, again feels a lot different than did in the off season. Uh, but now uh, you, you can have a strong, a, a stronghold late in the cycle and Minchie can be kind of the kickstarter to what should be a, a pretty strong finish for the Irish. So again, if you're going to do it, 
go bold with it and, and act, you got to hit you got to hit on the prospect and it looks like Notre Dame is, is in position to do that does the value of five stars diminish now due to the win now mentality through the transfer portal is a Keon Keeley as important to a program or losing him in the process of a program uh the same it like it was you know before this that's a great question Malik I, I think it depends on how you look at it right where are you looking at the stars right if if you're if it's about trying to mirror the NFL draft three four years from now which I know a lot of networks do I used to work at 24 7 and scout I know that's the goal there which is great not for everyone but it's great for them if that's the goal, then yeah, I think the stars is diminished to a degree because these coaching staffs don't have three, four, five years to to get it right for one kid, right? Uh, so I think if if conversely there's outlets that value the floor and and what you are today as opposed to what you will become if X Y Z stars align and and you know you gain fifty pounds or whatever it is, all the craziness that 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 we can't project. You can't project it, yes. Right. If, if, if it's about that, then I do think that they they hold value, right? Because, you know, your, your instant impact players, your Harold Perkinses of the world at LSU, you're like, hey, I don't know what he's going to play. I don't know what spot he's going to fill, but he's going to see the field right now because he's just that physically and athletically gifted today and the instincts line up. So, you know, that type of player I do think still – holds a lot of value in recruiting. But yeah, I think the developmental guys and and they're not hard to identify. I don't think it it hits the same way that it used to. And that goes through all positions. That's why a, a Kenny Minchie, to bring it back to him, makes a lot more sense today than even five years ago. Not the biggest flashiest, biggest arm, crazy upside kid, but great demeanor for your high school starter, calm, efficient, accurate, mobile enough, tough. All the things that you need right now that you can't really develop. You either are or you're not at this stage. So I think that's why for Notre Dame, this is a, a target that makes sense. Uh, but also in the modern, I guess, uh, perception of recruiting rankings, that's why I think you need to go to the context of, you know, hey, uh, website X marks him as this, but this yeah. is also how they operate. You know, I think that part is important for for the fans to try to figure out. You know, what's crazy, we're talking about roster construction, whether via recruiting or the transfer portal. And I just thought about this. Once December hit fifth hits, yo, what about the deconstruction and the devalue of the bowls? Like, yeah. teams are going to be missing players. And how interested are you to travel to see your team play when three starters won't even be there or two big-time players that you had won't be playing in the game that man, just hypothetically, let's say Notre Dame ends up playing on the 29th or the 30th in a bowl game. We're not sure that Michael Mayer is going to play. Mm. We don't know that for a fact. I know if I was advising Michael Mayer, I'd be like, hey, <laughs> you're good. <laughs> you're good. <laughs> you made it through the regular season. You might want to skip this bowl game. And fans might not like that, but that's the reality of where we are right now. And you know, I hope we can find a way to kind of legislate this thing and get back to a common ground where everything has some type of value in its own space. But right now, like you said, it's the wild, wild west. Yeah, that deconstruction word is is a big one, right? It's like nobody wants to talk about it. It's so easy to talk about additions, right? Who's yeah. who's coming here, but yeah. who's going or maybe sitting is 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 tough. And I think 
that is one of the reasons why a lot of people are in favor of, of the 12 team expanded playoff. I think in that regard, you mm. do kind of stick around a little bit yeah. longer, but still it's 12 teams, right? It's more than yeah. four, but it's still only 12. Uh, so, so I think that part is, is fascinating. And yeah, I, I think that those numbers are going to increase, right? Because now because of NIL and you're allowed to deal with money folks uh, legally for the first time ever, now you know your value even more because for a lot of these kids, it's right here. It's in their hands. It's yeah. tangible. You know, DJ Uyunglele, Bryce Young, uh, I saw Anthony Richardson's making over a million dollars this year. You know your value today because it is already in your hands or, or at least promised and on the way, right? I know some some schools haven't quite come through uh, with what they said they would, which is the another of the million issues with all of this uh, on the downside. But on the front side, you know your value. So, yeah. Yeah. If you're Michael Mayer, if if you're you know Will Anderson, some of these players, what what's the reason to to go out there for an extra game? We went for a title, stumbled early or whatever it was, didn't quite work out in that regard, and I made my impact. But okay, I've I've earned this opportunity to kind of take a step back and get ready for more tangible dollars coming into my pocket. So, what's been more impressive? Because your SI-99 list has six current commits from Notre Dame in it. Most people feel like it should have had eight. <laughs> it almost did. And yeah. Notre, Dame, they, 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 Notre Dame had the number one and number three player on the 99 list in the class. We did. So with all of that being said, the impact that Marcus Freeman has had on the recruiting trail in his first full year – or being able to keep this class together after those two losses, which has been more impressive, Ooh. getting to that point or keeping it intact, especially without that quarterback. That part. Um, we, when we talk, so at SI, we, we do everything uh, subjectively, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we don't, I'm not a math guy, so I don't have a formula that plugs in a rating and then that factors into an algorithm and spits out uh, a class ranking. We do it subjectively because that's how we rank players, right? We rank the players subjectively. So we're going to rank the classes subjectively. And the only reason Notre Dame hasn't been at one or close to one at, at most of these points, I think they opened up at number one, but the last few months they haven't been. It's because of that glaring hole at quarterback, right? We rank the premium positions and then the position groups, and far as, as how you're filling needs on top of it, as best as we can tell from, from where we sit. So, yeah, that was that was the biggest hurdle for Notre Dame. So to still be in that conversation with or without Kenny Minchie going forward, I think is is the more impressive thing. I, I, I think building the front end of the class before Marcus coached a game in South Bend, it was impressive, but it was also something you could see coming, right? total antithesis of Brian Kelly in, in, in just about every way. Uh, the energy felt different. I mean, that video of, of the players receiving him once they found out he was named the head coach is, is still in my brain. Um, that perception traveled. So Notre Dame was able to, in my opinion, reach further, reach further into different areas that maybe Brian Kelly wasn't as consistent in, getting back into the state of Florida consistently, going out west more consistently and, and down into Texas, which is so important in building uh, any type of, of great uh, team or class. Uh, and Peyton Bowen, hello, my gosh. I don't know if anyone's had a better senior season than that kid at any position. So I think building it was impressive, but you could see it coming. I think maintaining it with the loss of more 
privately and Keely publicly uh, close to each other, by the way. And then on top of it, the on-field losses, the, the embarrassments, right? I mean, let's let's call it what it is. Just the inexcusable losses. Now, you've rebounded on the field, but you lost big commitments and games in a very, what, two, three-month span that could have crushed you. Look at Texas A&M, right? Uh, borderline top 25 class after finishing number one last year. Same right. kind of deal. Lost some big commitments and lost some big games, and it crushed a team that has kind of, in theory, been there, done that with their head coach at least. Right. Notre Dame didn't suffer the same fate with a first-year, first-time head coach. So to me, that part, is the most impressive part. It's maintaining it. And again, you add Minchie, you add some of these other guys here down the stretch, uh, the receiver from Texas. Now, all of a sudden, you close well on top of it as the on-field product kind of corrects itself, like most of us thought it would. So I think that part is is most impressive, especially, again, for a first-year, first-time head coach. Man, now the way you put it, yeah, I would agree. Because I thought it was impressive to have Keeley and Dante like, yo, that's – as a first-time head coach, you – you're making a stand because I jokingly said, look, I think Kirby Smart, um, Nick Saban, Ryan Day, all the big time guys at the big time programs just kind of looked up and saw Marcus Freeman sit down at the, the big poker table like, you're supposed to work your way up here. Like, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. You know this is big boy stakes right here. And he like, took the shortcut. Yeah, he was relentless, and the staff has been relentless. And I think because of that, I think what they sold into the young men that are part of the 23 class has kind of helped that as well because, you know, that class from a confidence standpoint and to talking to those young men, they truly believe we're the difference. Like, we're the class that's going to change things at Notre Dame. And that's kind of binded them together to want to stay together in spite of, you know, things that are happening. I think that's what hurt so much when Keon Keeley did leave the class or decommit. He was part of that brotherhood and was one of the main recruiters. And they just felt like some of the guys were like, yo, you got me to commit. <laughs> yeah. I know today. Like, and then you bounce? Like, how do you do that? But like you said, that's recruiting. Once again, John Garcia, Sports Illustrated, SI Now. He has the SI99 list each and every year. Go check it out. And he's also the host of State of Recruiting on CFB Nation. CFB Nation is lit right now. All three of us, great content on there. CFB Nation, courtesy of Irish Breakdown, available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Go get locked in and tap in right now. Lucky Lefty Podcast, we spin it different. Before we let you go, we have to get into the 2024 class. The momentum of the 23 class has spilled over into the 24 class. They were good enough, and, and I don't want to say lucky enough, but it was just great that they got the quarterback early and C.J. Carr. And then after that, things got to rolling. You get Cam Williams, who's starting to climb in rankings. And then you get Jack Larson, and you start to build from there. Seven commits right now in that 24 class. How much of a chance do you give to the 24 class being higher ranked and better than the 23 class? Oof. Great question. Great question. Because we, we, we again, we see this great close ahead mm -hmm. for ND uh, in 23, right? It's going to be right. top five, right? I can, you know, no, it's not breaking news in that regard. And it has a chance to, to, to finish even higher, depending on, on what shakes out with, 
you know, uh, the, the Bama's, the uh, Texas, Georgia's of the world. Ohio State just lost another big prospect. So maybe maybe Notre Dame leapfrogs them here uh, going forward. So it's hard to imagine a class living up to it. But you said it. The ingredients are different. The makeup is different because it's it's uh, a year ahead of time for these kids in terms of Marcus Freeman, which we just talked about. Right. So that, that buy in is, is not limited to the senior class. The juniors feel it just as much and they're jumping in and the two elements right the quarterback's already on board and you talk about a name cj carr that that's a name everybody knows um and he really started i would say the 24 qb dominoes because now we're seeing all the 24 qbs are trying to commit before the season ends we don't typically see that we usually see it the summer or spring leading into their senior seasons now we're seeing it during their junior season so he kind of kicked that off and it was a wrinkle, right? You know, optically, you see CJ Carr, Grantson, Alloy Carr. You're like, okay, probably going to Michigan, right? And and then boom, switches it up. Notre Dame, um, everything's on its head. And and by the way, CJ deserves his own credit for not only stepping outside his lane or outside the family lane in that regard, but jumping on board in June when all the Dante Moore stuff was right there. Uh, I think it says a lot about CJ Carr to be comfortable enough in his own game and his own ceiling uh, to, to jump in when at the time it was going to be Dante Moore's 2023 cycle. So I thought that was really interesting, both for Michigan, of course, which is uh, ironic in and of itself. Uh, so I think that part of it is, is so different because now you have that galvanizing force. Now you have the guy leading the group chat saying, Hey, let's do this thing. 23 is going to change Notre Dame. 24 is going to put it over the top or whatever the, the message is going to be. We're going to be the, the second line uh, in, in that infantry to really take things up a notch. Uh, so when it's your quarterback leading that, no disrespect to Keon Keeley, when your quarterback's leading it, it's different, right? Because that's who's going to be leading it on the field when it counts most um, in the snow or whatever it's going to be. And it's a, it's, it's backs against the wall kind of mentality. So I think, Doing that so early is, is huge for Notre Dame. The ceiling is probably higher with this class because of that alone. And you're also already seeing the tentacles spread out. You said seven commits. They're from six states already, right? So this, it's already being spread out further and further earlier than Marcus Freeman could have because obviously he's only been the coach for, for so long. So I do think that the ceiling is higher, uh, but obviously you still have to identify um, and, and zero in on your top targets, but the, but the start has been great. You, you've got premium position guys already on board. Again, geographically, you're hitting it, and you've, you've got your quarterback, which is the biggest difference in this cycle. So I could see that, that kind of galvanization hitting an apex even before the, the 23 season begins. So I think this class could be – 20 plus members before kickoff uh, 23, which is obviously an ideal position to be in. Is that a trend for Notre Dame? Go ahead, Lee. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say CJ Carter does a great job of recruiting his own players as well. So maybe uh, we get some of that boost from having a quarterback in the class early for him to be able to recruit some of his guys. I know that worked for me committing early in 2013, and we had a pretty damn good class. So I think that is going to be uh, important that CJ is active. He's at school. He's down the street. He's always on Twitter. So I think that's going to play into a big factor in trying to close out higher than what's expected for our class. Man, my question along those lines is we've seen Notre Dame jump out early because you talked about them possibly in 24 having 20 commits before they kick off the season. Is that a plan that's going to evolve as the winning changes in Marcus Freeman's tenure? Or is that something that you think will be his staple in recruiting 
for Notre Dame moving forward, getting the class established early. I think if you trust who you are as as evaluators um, in, in planning the the attack for every recruiting class, you can take those early recruits. That now, where it gets tricky is if a the evaluation was off or b junior to senior year there's a drop off or there's something changes right that's where it gets a little bit tricky because now you've got to, to reset where maybe you thought you were already done at a position or or with a certain player but if it, it goes back to self-awareness and this this can go for the the roster management uh the construction the deconstruction nil portal all that self-awareness is really where it all starts if you know what you want and you you trust in those evaluations you can make that your thing um, it's the opposite of how a lot of schools do it, but a lot of schools re- rely on the, the on-field product and uh, kind of just the flip game in general, right? You know, your Alabamas, your Georgias, they're not going to do that because they know at the end of the cycle they can swoop in on the North Carolina commit or the Kentucky commit or the Auburn commit and, and have an opportunity to, to make that change. I think at Notre Dame, again, you, you've got an opportunity to get out in front of all of those things. And obviously the longer you have these kids on board, the more solid, most likely they're going to be right. That brotherhood is already being built before they ever, you know, wear, wear the blue and gold together. So I think that part of it is, is important. But again, it goes back to self-awareness and understanding, Hey, these are the kind of kids we want. Can we identify them this early? And can we feel good enough about it to not look back again? It takes a bold coach and a bold strategy to do that because on one end, you're going to offer before other big schools offer. And then on the second end, you've got to hold off when other schools come calling, which is something that every great recruiting class has to deal with. So you're you're adding work to your plate when you do that. But if it works, it can become something that you know kids expect. And now just as much as kids value schools that don't send out a bunch of offers, like when Clemson offers, it feels big because they don't offer 400 kids a cycle like like Nebraska used to or Tennessee, that that is now something Notre Dame can use and say, hey, if we offer you early, it, it means something different because we build the classes sooner than, than all these other schools. So that could become kind of his you know, Marcus Freeman's own thing uh, in, in finding top talent. So I think it's a great strategy if it works uh, and if, 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 if there's a self kind of internal belief that this is how we're going to operate. And, and it kind of looks like that's the plan. Can you handle a couple of questions before we let you go, John? We appreciate you giving us some time. Of course. Let's do it. Uh, I got Joe Easton question from Mr. Garcia. I'm pretty certain ND has a director of player personnel. Do you see most schools adding a full-time roster manager position who isn't a coach, kind of like an NFL GM? I know a lot of the newer schools uh, that have, have hired coaches recently, I should say, they've named GMs. Um, I know Vanderbilt uh, named a GM, Georgia Tech, before this staff w- was let go this year. They flat out named uh, their guys GMs uh, because that is how they viewed the position. So I think as as hires, coaching hires get younger and younger, which is another trend, by the way, that we're starting to see. Um, the retreads, the older schools not getting picked up as much, especially with how much roster management has changed. There's an understanding with these new coaches you've got to have a massive support staff and a bunch of resources in recruiting. And you have to have a leader who can do it every day because Marcus Freeman can't, you got a game plan. You got to manage personalities and the depth chart and who's going to be QB one this week. I mean, all these things um, you have to trust somebody. It's like um, I'm actually rewatching game of Thrones, you know, all that you have a King, right. And then they always name hand of the King. 
Yeah. And that's really the person who's running it, right? That's right. really the person who's running it. That's kind of what um, these GMs are going to be looked at is you are running recruiting and roster management 12 months a year. Um, I'm doing it as much as I can throughout those 12 months, but I can't dedicate my, my all my time to it. So I think that's going to become the norm. I think Florida with Billy Napier has like a hundred staffers. Uh, yeah. So that's going to be, if the schools, you know, have, have the dollars behind it, that's going to be more normal than crazy as it seemed when they took that, uh, that coaching picture or that, that team picture where it was more staffers, more people in polos than people in jerseys. Um, so I think that's going to be maybe not to that degree, but that type of effort is going to be more consistent because it is like we've talked about it all show roster management is the biggest issue for college coaches today. And one more before we let you go, John, Joe H. Thank you for tapping in. Do you think a player might stay at Notre Dame a bit longer before transferring than he would at another school to get the Notre Dame degree prior to transferring? That's a great question. Obviously, academically in the network, I mean, you guys both know so well, uh, it, it's crazy at, at Notre Dame, right? You can go to any big city in the country and, and even internationally and, and find the Notre Dame bar or or the Notre Dame network in, in full in-person human action. So I think that certainly has value um, on the front end of this thing, and, and it should have value on the back end, but it, it comes back to self-awareness, right? As a player, um, are you are you confident enough in your own game and or ceiling to go somewhere else without that degree? Or do you, the people close to you kind of double you down and say, Hey, look, get this degree first. And then if it doesn't work out at that point, okay, go ahead and hit the portal. And, and look, it's, it's faster now, right? Everybody's graduating in three years because these kids aren't leaving in the summers. They're enrolling early. Uh, there's just more time to take classes. And these college coaches want that, right? L less time home, is the less uh, opportunity for distractions or, you know, uh, bad activity, whatever it is. Um, so you're, you're graduating faster, even at a high academic school like Notre Dame. So I, I do think that degree still holds a ton of weight. Um, when kids are making decisions, it comes up sooner at Notre Dame than it does elsewhere in terms of that degree, right? Um, we, we hear NFL, NIL, those are always the first two reasons for a school, at least behind the scenes. But then, you know, with the Notre Dames of the world, the degree becomes, uh, you know, one, two or three in that conversation as well. And it's not something that's congruent with the other top schools in the country. So that's a banner that Notre Dame needs to continue to to hold and, and utilize in, in the process, especially early on. John Garcia, host of the State of Recruiting on CFB Nation. And also you can catch up with him over at SI Now, his SI 99 list. Thank you for joining us, John. Please let people know what you have coming up, especially with high school bowl season and all the two big bowl games, Under Armour, American Bowl down in San Antonio. What are you going to be doing and how can people follow you and check you out? Yes, yeah, it's, it's that time of year, right? Um, mm -hmm. Everything, Everything's uh, coming to its apex. I love it. It's busy, but I love it. Yeah, we got a lot cooking at SI going forward. Like you said, um, rankings are going to be updated, both uh, the class rankings and the SI 99. And then, yeah. Signing day, December 21st, uh, bowl games right after that. Uh, I'll probably be at Under Armour. I know uh, you guys are going to have folks in both big games. So those are the final evaluations, right? So um, we're, we're going to be keeping a close eye on all of that uh, at, at State of Recruiting and, of course, uh, at SI.com as well. John, thank you for joining us, man. We'll talk to you sometime soon as we get closer to signing day. Appreciate y'all for having me. Have a good show. All right. That's John Garcia, Jr., our brother from CFB Nation.
like we said, go check them out. State of Recruiting, the best recruiting show out there. Yes, it is. Absolutely. To keep in tune what's going on, all connected on Spotify and Apple Podcasts via CFB Nation. Go right now. Tap in. Leave five stars. Let us know how much you enjoy the content, all the great content over there at CFB Nation. Lucky Lefty Cop Podcast. We absolutely spin it different. Hey, Left, look, before we talk about two more recruits that you have a personal, have personal knowledge of in the show, uh, someone, thanks for the super chat, Keith Erickson. He said he caught your sermon on replay. Uh, He's adding his piece to the plate. (laughs) <laughs> Look, which is which is making sure that uh, everybody knows that we have a viable chance of sneaking in there, provided some losses happen in that top ten. Pastor Lefty, he called you Pastor Lefty. I, I love it. I love it. P Dub says if Slovis Keaton Slovis would have transferred to Notre Dame, what would Notre Dame's record be? I mean, he probably. Say it again. He's injured all the time, like Tyler Buckner. So mm, who knows? I don't even feel comfortable saying what the record would be. Oh, question for you, Nick P. Is Anora available in Georgia? Yeah, it should be. You guys should be able to order from uh, online. If not, hit me up and we can work it out. Yeah, hit him on the DM. He'll let you know where to go pick it up or get some right to you. So, two. Recruits coming in besides Kenny Minchie for the Boston College game, Jason and Jaden Robinson from Long Beach Poly, a team that uh, you have battled with this year. Uh, Jason is a 24 wide receiver, and he is committed to USC right now. That's His right. brother Jaden is a 25 kid. Yep. Give us a little tidbit on Jason Robinson and Jaden Robinson, who they are as prospects. Uh, what I like about them so much is that they're route runners. This isn't a, these aren't guys that's going to have to get on YouTube or talk with Chancey Stuckey on how to run a go route or how to run an out route. That's these tech. guys are technicians. They're really good at it, and they are fast. And they're, they're just they're just West Coast receivers, really skinny and everything. But man, them boys can play, and so uh, they take it real serious. <laughs> They they put in a lot of good work versus us. We had him, we had him a couple times, but him and his brother are a great duo. Uh electric, great route runners. I think Chancey Stuckey will be doing the room of service because they would be our number ones right away. Hmm. So stack them 24-25, the Robinson boys coming to visit Notre Dame for the Boston College matchup matchup on Saturday. Senior day, emotional day. Kenny Minchie will be in the building. Let's go ahead, crown this 23 class, put a bow on this home schedule with a big-time W, and go to the Coliseum and wreck shop. That's that's the plan. That's the plan. Put a bow on the home schedule in this recruiting class and then just go snatch USC souls and the college football playoff berth right out from under their noses in their building. Lucky Lefty Podcast. We appreciate you guys for getting us over 3,000, and we keep climbing, man. The number of people that have connected and jumped on in the last week, 
We truly, truly appreciate you guys joining us, listening to us, and tapping in with us. You guys are the best. You keep the chat lit each and every day. We couldn't do it without you. Lucky Lefty Podcast. We spend it different. Tomorrow, we'll talk about Marcus Freeman, what he had to say to the media on today. And then we'll get into, yep, stick to the script. What does Malik have to say about his offensive approach out the gate? against the Boston College defense, and much more for the Culture Friday. That's tomorrow. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Left, you know what time it is. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's Petty Historic Petty Junction? Petty Junction. Petty Historic of the Day brought to you by Nora Whiskey. AnoraWhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. Look, man, I watched this. I let it slide. I almost put the NBA refs on the petty train the other day when they gave Jason Tatum that technical foul last, you know. That was ridiculous. But last night I'm watching the Pelicans and I'm watching the Bulls and they give Brandon Ingram one. Look, man. NBA refs have to be some of the most emotional creatures on the face of this earth. If you can't take a clap, an expletive, or anything else sent your way, then don't ref. Don't Don't ref. ref. This is not high school or college. You're getting paid way too much money. Your benefits are too good. Yeah. Right? All you do is ref games and hit the weight room. That's it. As a ref, that's all you do. Work out, ref the game. And you, and the refereeing is subpar, honestly. Trying to figure, you don't know what a travel is? Oh, that's all over the league now. Everybody travels. That's why I may start calling the carrion on the crossover. Like, dude, John Moran's like, we've been doing this for years. Yeah, yeah. He's been running around for years. He ain't never got caught. Like, what are we doing? I'm on Super Petty, man. Everybody's taking shots this week. You know, forever Wakanda, relax, man. Uh, relax. You're not a fan of Jason Whitlock's comments? Man, I, you know, first of all, I wasn't even going to give him the service of mentioning his name on our podcast. You said it, bro. No. Uh, <laughs> Clownage, man. No. Clownage. No. I, I'm good, man. I see why he's single, bro. Mm. I'll leave it at that. Mm. I'll leave it at that. Hopefully he responds. <laughs> and last but not least, to all of the baseball writers that voted for Verlander over my boy Cease for the American League Cy Young, I got something for you. That's mad. Uh, no, Verlander deserved it though. I yeah. just wanted to see my boy get it. I just wanted to see my boy get it, man. That's right. Is uh is LeBron back? 
I'm about to be paid. Is he back? Look, oh, he, I mean, he really dealing with something, you know. He's him, him and Kawhi, him and Kawhi on the same schedule. He dealing with this awful offense, so he's like, he don't want to do that. He just want to save his time till the sun gets close and he can break that record back in Cleveland. That's the goal. Oh man, I will say this though, as we get out of here, I watched Notre Dame women's basketball last night. They played Northwestern. They were in the Chicagoland area. Olivia Miles, she's next, bro. Nice. Yeah, she she's nice. next. I'm not talking about college basketball. She's no, next. Yeah, 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 yeah. Next level. Olivia Miles is nice. She's she, next. Yeah, I agree. She, yeah. Nice. She's yeah. a guard, Enrique following it. Yeah. Big she, Neil Ivy, you got you one. That's my girl. She's doing her thing. She turned, she got two top, what, top five recruits in the class? On the same Man. weekend or something crazy? Three. I think they got three five stars. Yeah, three yeah. Three five stars yeah. in this next class. She Look, man. Oh, that's, that's all great and dandy. Olivia Miles. The one. Yeah. The one. He's that one. We'll see you guys tomorrow, man, for another great show. Go check us out. Don't forget, hit the like button. Share. Hit the notification bell. Let everybody know. Lucky Lefty Podcast. It's the fastest growing and the best podcast centered around Notre Dame football. It's not even close. Follow us at Lucky Lefty Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Definitely follow our reel on Instagram. And don't forget, podcasts available. Apple Apple Podcasts and Spotify via CFB Nation in conjunction with Irish Breakdown. Lucky Lefty Podcast. We spend it different. For left, I'm Sean Davis. We'll see you tomorrow for another great show. Have a great Thursday. But most of all, you got to make sure that you definitely spend it different. See you tomorrow. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.